Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the fourth episode of Flow Grappling, Who's Number One, here with, uh, of course, co-host Ricardo Amendolia, coming live from Canada, and sitting in for Chase Smith, who's on his way to Korea right now, Hal Teague. Yo, what's up? Hey, this is interesting. I'm uh, I'm the guest for once. Yeah. <laughs> Ricardo, how are things going out there in Canada? The snow is starting to melt, but the action will be hot this weekend. Let's cut to the chase, guys. we got an action-packed weekend. Let's get started. Yeah, this is one of the busiest weekends for jiu-jitsu I've ever seen. I mean, you got three big events within 24 hours, all all, all great matches on there. We had some great uh, stuff over the weekend at BJ Fanatics. So, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, I guess first, uh, big news coming out of here is we have a date for our Who's Number One event, the live event that we've been plugging for a while. Big news. Yeah, February 8th in Costa Mesa, California, same day as Kids Pans. If you're traveling to Kids Pans, you can go there and see it. We're, we're putting the matches together. going to be some really great matches, some really good stuff. What are you thinking about that one, Ricardo? Can't wait. To, I mean, we can't really tell them too much about what's going on, but I think this is going to be something great for the sport, uh, you know, showcasing a lot of the youth in the sport and, uh, you know, potentially some other big stuff in the works too. So stay tuned, guys. You don't want to miss it. Anytime we do a Who's Number One podcast, we're going to give you little, little, little crumbs, little teasers. So stay tuned, guys. Man, I, I got to say, can we just like take a moment to appreciate how big this is, right? That obviously, who's number one? We launched this show like, well, you've been doing it. This is the fourth episode, so yeah, like yeah. a month now. But the fact that in February next year, the Flow Grappling, that we are going to launch our own live event featuring head-to-head matches in Costa Mesa, California, one of the hotbeds of jiu-jitsu in the entire country, if not the world. That's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, if you're familiar with the wrestling, who's number one they've been doing for a few years, it's all about high school kids, right? So, I mean, that's the idea for our event is to uh, showcase the youth, showcase the up-and-comers, the best, the next generation, and give them some, uh, put the spotlight on them a little bit. And the entire point of this as well, the show, is to determine who's number one. So, uh, I guess something that we can tell people is that the 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 matchups will reflect a lot of what's going on in the rankings, right? Yeah, it's going to be uh, number ones versus number twos. I mean, there might be some situation where number two is out, can't do it for whatever reason, be number one versus number three. But, it's, yeah, it's going to be directly reflected off the rankings. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be a big part of it. So, yeah, and uh, also, uh, so over the weekend, had BJ Fanatics. That was awesome. Man, what an event, right? Yeah, I see you rocking the t-shirt. By yeah, the way. I got the BJ Fanatic shirt on. You picked that up when you yeah. were there. Yeah, thanks a lot to Michael Zenga and those guys. They're great hosts. Uh, they really are BJ Fanatic. When I was out there, there's this guy Joe Gilpin. He was when I showed up. He's having he's working as a Uki for the Nicky Rod takedown video. That then, doesn't then, sound fun. Then he works <laughs> at the event, coordinated to like one in the morning. The next day, when I arrive back in Austin, I see that he just got done competing at the New York Open. What? He finished work and, and got on a bus to New York and went and competed. So yeah, some straight up BJ Fanatics out there. Uh, but I really liked the event. I thought the athletes really brought it. Uh, something you, th- you you sort of uh, associate with the EBI rules a lot is people trying to game plan and get to overtime and win in overtime. But you didn't really see that. You saw guys really getting after it at this event. There were some great submissions. There were a lot of submissions, actually. Yeah, we uh, – man, I was watching the event live because you, you were there in, in Boston. And uh, the event for me, it, man, it was awesome. There were so many big names. You know, it's like I think one of the criticisms of EBI back in the day was that while they were establishing the format that they used a lot of um, – they had a lot of color belts in the mix, right? There were yeah. a lot of, there was a real mix of talent, and the, the level was um, a little all over the place. But this was high level because BJJ Fanatics, they had their first event. Let's call it like a test event featuring the brown belts. The Kyle Bain won that one uh, not too long ago, right? A couple months ago. And then they come back with this one. And I'm not sure exactly how many, but I think you could say that the majority 
of the competitors in this lineup were black belts, right? Yeah, yeah, almost all of them. Uh, Caleb, can you roll the uh, asset, the Fanatics uh, WNO asset? We have a couple-minute highlight of uh, some of the submissions from there. Ooh. Ricardo, did you get a chance to check this one out? Yeah, I definitely did, and uh, happy to say I watched it from the new Flow Grappling app on my uh, cheap Samsung phone, and it still worked really well, even though I'm up here in Canada. Awesome event. Um, like you said, we had a lot of high-level guys in there. It was great to see guys like Jess Reach uh, over there doing some crazy stuff, the TACIP, uh, you know, situation there with Tex, of course, you know, but it was a lot of really high-level matches, Hulk and Rodriguez was awesome uh you know hulk was uh being a little bit of a i don't know what i want to say he was he was really taking it to to nikki you know showing him like what's up and i think he was trying to prove a point you know like i'm a high level black belt you're not going to get me and they were it was getting heated in that match you see a slam there by hulk i believe man you know or what was maybe cool nikki though for me was the the like you said ricardo man the, the, the amount of submissions that were just firing left and right in this yeah. in this event right yeah. yeah, it didn't like sometimes in the EBI rules, especially in a, in a tournament format, we see a majority of the matches go to those overtimes. I don't think we saw that here. A lot of guys were super high level getting submissions, and there was the right amount of mixture. Um, as you see, a uh, beautiful leg lock attack on Baby Monster there with yeah. uh, the Kyle eventual Bain, winner, man, overall but, winner, yeah, man. Huge name, you know. That was a big coming out party for Kyle Bain. It's funny because a lot of people are saying they want to see him go against Gordon. So who knows what will come next? He said he wants to go against Kynan in my uh, post-tournament interview with him. So I guess he beat Kynan when they were purple belts. He wants a match with, and wants to run it back. Yeah, if anybody wants to see this match, all you need to do is you need to go into Flow Grappling and just search for Kynan Duarte versus Kyle Bain because I forget which year it was. I think it might have been like 2017. But uh, Kynan and Kyle Bain fought on five Super League or five Submission League, five Super League, right? Um, pro event there in San Diego, and uh, it was a submission only match, and Kyle won that one by decision, right? Yeah, and he's really he's really uh, on a tear right now. He he won that uh, King of the Mat, I think it was called in Ohio, where he beat Tex, he tapped Dante, he he broke, broke Dan- Darren Barovich's leg. Yeah, yeah so down. I mean Kyle Bain's really coming up, and uh, yeah, everybody really showed out there. Uh, I think we already know Hal's opinion on this. What did you think about Tex, Ricardo? You think DQ or no DQ <laughs> do, there? Do you think my opinion was clear? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't you know, see it Tex live. Has had a, yeah, I mean, I, I watched the replay. Tex has had a couple incidents where maybe he's been a little too aggressive. Um, but from what I saw, and I'm not trying to justify it at all, it looked to me like knowing Tex in the heat of the moment, he got like a little kick and he kind of. I don't know. Like he, I don't. I'm not gonna say he punched him, but he definitely swung at him. I don't think he realized what was going on. I don't know. It's it's really. What do you hard mean? What do you mean? You're not gonna say? No, no. What do you mean? You're not gonna say that he punched him? What do you mean? You're not gonna say that? I no, mean, I like, can punch, you see yeah. the video? You you can see him ball He's up saying, his fist, bring his arm back, yeah. take a swing at like directly on William's chin, and then yeah. steer him down like there. That's what you get. Yeah. It, it seemed like it was a punch, but it wasn't like like a haymaker like i'm gonna knock you out it was like you're punching your little brother in the leg because he's irritating you or something like it was like just a little little tap but i mean it was definitely looked like he made a fist and punched him Uh, well i'm gonna go off of what he said he seemed to think that he didn't punch him so now if i'm a ref or i'm I'm working in the organization i would just say hey man that was a strike dq so that's the answer to my question yeah that makes sense 
Uh, what do you think, though? Do you think Tech should have taken more responsibility for it? Because, you know, he basically came up with this story in the post-match interview, and Michael spoke to him, and he was kind of like, ah, uh, yeah, you know, I reached for his head with a closed fist, and by the time I realized what I was doing, right? Doesn't that sound a bit weird? A little bit weird. Tech, it looked great. I mean, Tech, it looked great in that match, though. Tech, yeah, mounted awesome. Tech. Man, Tech, it really yeah. looked good in this tournament. I mean, what, he's 18 years old? Purple belt. I mean, yeah. He, I mean, and this was absolute. He was one of the smaller guys in there, so he yeah, really. What Williams like? What one seventy something like that? Tex is like two thirty, two forty. Yeah. And uh, man, like after that little love tap, like you like to say, William <laughs> took it to him. Right? He passed his guard like three times. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his younger brother is going to be on who's number one is too. Oh, uh, uh, Andrew. Nice. Andrew is one of the people that we're talking to. I mean, he's already agreed to a match, so he'll probably most likely is going to be on there. Uh, quick plug. Check out the rankings. I mean, this is sort of what it's all about. We got a lot of rankings. We're adding new stuff all the time, adding new athletes all the time. Little criteria to talk. Uh, yeah, uh, I think something that we get a lot of messages about, and uh, yeah, something we get a lot of messages about is uh, people want to be included as the champion if they finish second in a closeout. And it's Ooh. like I, the way we look at it in rankings, if you close out, one person finished first, right? One person is going to get the credit for that. You're not going to go down like like you got like you lost or something, but yeah, we're not going to move you up for finishing second as much as we would if, if you finished first. In the, in Mike, the I'm interested to know your thoughts on this one because I've been pretty open with my thoughts of the the, the Tex Tackett incident, you know. Yeah. Um, I was pretty pretty honest about how I felt about that situation, but I'd like you to be honest. How do you feel about closeouts in Jiu-Jitsu? I mean, I, I think we can all agree we wish it didn't happen. It sort of uh, ruins a lot of events. I mean, it hurts the, hurts the growth of the sport, in my opinion. I think it hurts uh, the marketability of a lot of these athletes if you're closing out your biggest matches. I mean, there's a big difference. There's a big difference in the way, way we can market you, the way sponsorships are going to look at you and everything. If you go out there and you really dominate someone in a final as opposed to just going out with your teammate and just – and, it, you know, you don't see in other sports. Wrestling, they go out there and wrestle each other all the time. It's not MMA. You don't have to get on – you don't have to mount the guy and punch him in the head. You can go out there and just have a grappling match and still be friends after. So. And in wrestling, if you do forfeit a match, especially in the finals – this uh, in general, there's like a huge backlash against that, right? People hate it. I've, I've never seen it happen. I mean, I've seen it happen at Big Tens where guys just like injury forfeit out because they've already qualified for NCAA's, but they're not doing it like in a closeout. Did it happen at the Worlds recently, or like a European or Turkish tournament? I remember hearing there was some controversy about a guy forfeiting. Uh, sometimes they forfeit because of political differences. Mm. Yeah, it might have been it. But uh, also uh, some news from over the weekend: Herberth, big surprise, pulled out of the Gordon Ryan fight. Is it a surprise? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Shocking. we all thought that was going. Yeah, Shocking. yeah. He was he was in that fight for what like five days. I think we all saw that one coming. It was a horrible match for him, and uh, it wouldn't have worked out. But I think we got a cooler match. We get a much we have a much cooler match in return. I think him Bo Nickel. It's a crazy match versus Gordon Ryan is. I mean, for people who don't follow wrestling, this is he's a super high level wrestler. He won the Hodge Trophy, which is that's like the Heisman Trophy if you follow NCAA football. MVP of the whole season for college wrestling, three time NCAA champ. Had a ridiculous record. It's like 120 and three or something. Just won under 23 worlds in freestyle. I mean, this is a really high level athlete. Uh, props to Bo for taking on such short, short notice because this is not this is not a Nicky Rod versus uh, Pat Downey wrestling match. No, guillotine. Uh, guillotine. Go out there, guillotine him, take his back and choke him. Anything but, but leg locks. This is also a world champion wrestler yeah. against a double gold ADCC champion. Yeah, pound rapper. for pound, number one, the best no gi guy out there. And, so uh, this is not some guy who's got a little bit of a wrestling experience up against a, an elite level wrestler. This is literally the best of each sport 
going head to head. Bo Nickel, for people who don't know, what he wrestles Penn State on the US World Team, yeah. right? Yeah. And like you don't get many people better than that. And also, there's there's not a big size difference, right? He's a big dude. Yeah, he wrestled uh, 92 kilograms uh, at U23. So like 200 pounds ish. Yeah, somewhere around there. And mm-hmm. uh, Gordon Gordon did 99 at uh, ADCC. So they're not not too far off. I mean, you never know. Wrestlers cut a lot of weight a lot. Uh, but uh, yeah, Bonico is just a ridiculous wrestler. His last year in college it was silly. It was like he was just toying with people. He was going out there and hitting junior high moves on guys and just pinning them. Kind of like Gordon does in jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, basically. And uh, it's I think something interesting here is that there's no there's no guard pulling. It's going to be two points, right? So, okay. So Bo's going to take him down. Absolutely. Yeah. So he's going to start up, too. It's going to be, can he avoid getting tapped by Gordon? Is what it, do you think about this? Is it, a penalty? is it a penalty if Gordon pulls, or is it just two points for Bo here? I'd have to – I, I, I was he, under the – when I just saw the rules, there's no guard pulling. I was under the assumption that, like, if, if you pull, it's going to be a takedown. You know, that's a good question, Ricardo, because, you know, you think that if it is only just eating two points – then you think Gordon would just pull anyway, just like give maybe. up the two points for the chance to pull guard. You'd have to think if there is no yeah. guard pulling, then the referee maybe is going to have to like stand, just stand back, back yeah. up. Yeah. Well, uh, when I was well, at the I, UWW Worlds a couple years ago, it was two points if you pull guard. It was just a takedown, and Joao Miao just sat guard and tapped everybody. Anyways, just, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, that's what he wants, right? Yeah. Well, I know that uh, one of the rules is there's no heel hook. So if Gordon sits, he's not going to be looking for that elevation to heel hook. But either way, I think that this is an awesome matchup. When I first heard about Bo taking the replacement for Herbert, I had no idea who Bo was. I thought it was Bo Jackson. When I looked him up, he looked nothing <laughs> like Bo Jackson. I don't know wrestling for anything. I just know that wasn't Bo Jackson. But all I know is this morning, everyone's talking about this match. Shale Sonnen's out there trashing it and loving it at the same time. He doesn't know what he's saying. But What would Shale have, have to say about that? Because i got to say, I'm, I completely missed it. What, what, what was Shale going on about? His big thing was, um, you know, having the rules changed specifically for a, a certain match. But it's like, you know, Chael, like he likes to say things just to just to create a discussion point. Sometimes he doesn't even believe what he's saying. It's all it is. But it doesn't matter. If he's trashing this match, he's talking about it and he's letting other people know about it. That's all that matters. So props to Third Coast Grappling for making the match happen. Props to... Uh, to Bo Jackson, sorry, what's his name? Bo Bo Nickel. Uh, <laughs> Bo Nickel, that's right. Props Get with Bo it, Nickel Ricardo. It. I'm sorry. I know, no, this guy's supposed to be a, one of the best wrestlers ever. I looked up a couple of his highlights. Amazing on flowwrestling.com, by the way. And uh, he just he's just a phenom, just a stud. And th- what I love about this too is is that Gordon actually did a little call out of Rustam a few years ago and hmm. said that he wanted a wrestling match with Rustam. With special rules, so Gordon's kind of getting what he wants here. Let's let's see what he can do. I want to see. I want to see what happens. I want to see if Gordon takes Bo Jackson or Bo Nickel down. Who knows? Yeah, crazy matchup. Uh, props to Bo for taking us such short notice. I mean, not not many people would put themselves out there like that, especially in such such a big name he is in his sport. He could go out here and get tapped, get embarrassed. But hey, you uh, know what? You uh, know what? Chael can talk all the crap he wants, but I guarantee you know he's going to be watching this. Oh, yeah, a lot of people. I saw Ashton tweet about it this morning. Uh, right? The wrestlers are going to tune into this. They're going to be curious. They're going to want to see one of their guys take on, like, a jujitsu guy, right? Beat up the the, the sissy jujitsu guy. So, you know, wrestlers have got that attitude that they're, they're the best. And, you know, we, we saw the, the, the interest from the wrestling community when they had this hybrid rules match against Nicky Rod. So, you know, we're going to give you our best, guys. You're going to take on Gordon. You don't get much better than that. Uh, other news from uh, the weekend. Uh, one of the... Hottest prospects maybe ever in the sport. Promoted a purple belt. Mikael Galval. Uh, Caleb, if you have that graphic of Mikael with his... So, 
What, what do we do now? He was a blue belt juvenile. Technically, he's still a juvenile, but he's a purple belt now. Slide him into the purple belt adult rankings, and I mean, I'm sure he's going to be doing super fights, maybe doing some AJP stuff. I don't know. His, so how old is Mikhail? Six, 16 years old. So he's not think, yeah. technically eligible to compete in IBJJF tournaments right now, right? Yeah, uh, I don't I don't believe so unless they'll make some exception for him. I don't know, huh. but uh, this 2020 was going to be his last year at Juvenile, but I mean, I'd imagine he's going to be doing other tournaments, competing in Purple. Well, there that's was, the thing, right? He can he can seek out matches elsewhere. There are other federations and there are other yeah. organizations that he can compete as a Purple Belt. There was nothing else for him at Blue Belt. Nah. At Blue Belt, here's a promotion. Uh, we have a video of him getting promoted as well. I mean... Look at the the guy in second place on the podium. This poor guy's got his arm in a sling. I mean, Mikhail Gaval has just been killing people, just stomping people at juvenile. Is, well, last year was what he he tapped 103 people out of 106 matches or something wow. ridiculous. I mean, there was nothing. I almost felt bad for the kids still having to go against him, but it was you know they were his age. But I, I'm excited to see him at purple belt. I'm excited to see where we where we slide him into the uh, purple belt adult rankings, and uh, it's gonna be nice seeing him go against higher level competition. He's from Manaus as well, right? Oh. Yeah, it's another one of the many Brazilian, from Manaus. The Brazilian Dagestan, Manaus, the Amazonas, where they produce some really tough. A lot of people don't know about some of the talent there. Um, we talked about this. I don't want to repeat myself, but, man, they got some killers from Manaus that a lot of guys just, you know, they're not really big social media savvy uh, competitors, but they're going to be waking, making waves with the Dream Art Project and a whole bunch of other names are coming out soon, guys. So keep your ear to the ground. You're going to be hearing more about Manaus real soon. Dude, there's I, something in the water in Manaus. Huh? Yeah. I talk with people about this kid. They're so high on him. I, I've heard from people that have been in the room with him that you could put him in the room with current adult black belt world medalists, and it's it's neck and neck. It's competitive. He, he's right there with them, yeah. And they, they, a lot of people who who train with him think he could he could do it at adult black belt right now at 16 years old. They're saying he's Whoa. a phenom. It, and the same thing that I what we're hearing about Mikhail Galvan is what we used to hear about Jonathan Alves as a blue and purple belt. You know, and and I remember hearing guys at AOJ telling me that as a blue or purple belt, he could probably go and compete against some of the highest level black belts and still win. So that's what we're seeing with Galvan. We talked about the next generation of juveniles starting training really early and just get by the time they get the blue or purple, they're just killers. So I cannot wait to see this kid. Uh, Michael Sears, is he competing at who's number one? Can you at least tell us that? Most likely. We're, in, we're trying to find an opponent for him. It's pretty hard to find an opponent for this guy. Not, nobody wants to fight him, but we're, so we'll find somebody crazy enough to do it. But uh, <laughs> all right, moving on. We got uh, a rankings update. We added, uh, obviously, we update weekly all our individual rankings, but now we got the team rankings. This is something new, right? I, uh, yeah. I like this, Mo. So we've already got so many different rankings on our site. We've got blue, purple, brown, black, male, female, gi, no gi, MMA. And now we've added to that with team rankings. Mike, what, what exactly are the team rankings? So basically all we got right now is black belt and no gi. But we're going off of like, okay, you take the no gi. You take the top 10 people. If you rank first, that, that puts 10 points towards your team. If you rank 10th, that gets one point, you know, and so so on and so on. And then we just tally it up. And then just to see, you know, it's interesting looking at it like this because it's different than like the, the team score at an IBJJF where it's all combined. We're looking at the best black belt team, best purple belt team, best brown belt team, you know, all that. And then So what we do is we, we, we take a look at our rankings right now, see how many people there is a points for for every person who's on that ranking, and it contributes towards the overall team ranking. That's how it works, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's pretty interesting. I think it's going to get uh, a lot of action online. I think people will be really interested. It's something Flow Wrestling has done for a while. They, they rank teams, the college teams, and the high school teams, and everything. So every time somebody goes up and down on the rankings, that also affects their team's position in the rankings. Absolutely, yeah. And we're not... Uh, including pound for pound, so people only score once. 
and then because pound for pound is a, a lot more subjective. It's uh, you know, and then uh, yeah, and we're only counting top ten, so being top ten is really important there. Getting somebody in the top ten for your team, so I like that. Be interested. I think that's really yeah. interesting. Hopefully, people are into it. Hopefully, not too many people go crazy on. So me who's about number this. one right now? And uh, who was it? it? Was Atos and Nogi and Alliance and the Gi? I believe. Wow. Okay. So yeah. Atos are currently running the Nogi rankings, but Alliance, Alliance both, has male and female. Black they have belt, both yeah. male and female, which also puts them. So that means the top are combined. Combined yeah. doesn't include Nogi, right? No, no. Combined just is just gi, male yeah. and female in the Gi. Wow. But, uh, Checkmat, interestingly, Checkmat was fourth in both male, male and female Gi, but when we combined them both, Checkmat was second overall because they have such a strong male and female team. So. Whoa, so the combined Black Belt Gi rankings, number one, two, and three, you've got Alliance, Checkmat, GF Team, and then it goes down. Yeah, for, yeah, for Black Belt Gi. Yeah. Now, in the amount of medals that Atos have been winning lately, you would have kind of imagined that they'd be higher, but when you look at it objectively and you tally up both male and female, Atos kind of have and a lot more. just Black Belt, the, too, yeah. Just yeah. Black Belt. Yeah. Atos have a lot in the male divisions, but not quite so many in the female, right? Yeah, so, G- GF Team passed them up because GF Team has a really strong female team. GF team is right. a super strong female team. So does Checkmate. Both of them have a really strong female squad. So Right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, check those out. There'll be a lot more that we'll be discussing about those on here. We're sort of running short on time. Let's run, move forward to some recaps of the weekend. The Sul Americano tournament, probably not many people up in here in America know about, but there was a lot of really good color belts down there and some good black belts. Uh Kind of Sul American is kind of like a scaled down Brazilians, yeah, Brazilian so, nationals, right? South American is the translation. Yeah. It's the South American Championship and uh, takes place in Sao Paulo in the same places, the same arena as so uh, pretty much a yeah, like a Bra- Brasileiros light, right? Like a lighter version of the Brasileiros. So you had the purple belt open class champ there, Huey Alves, another Dream Art guy. He's the he's uh, ranked number two pound for pound of purple. He's the guy who won blue belt open class at Worlds last year. Uh, Big movement at Brown Belt. Mayram Alves, the, the Guigo Team Lloyd Irvin guy. Killer. New, new number one at uh, Light Feather. Uh, Caleb, if you can pull up that uh, graphic of him. Uh, total killer. He had that infamous foot sweep clip. I, I should have clipped that one out. Remember that foot sweep that got like a million views from, yeah. from Worlds? Uh, so I he, love watching Mayram. He he's, ran- he's such a finisher. He right? was ranked number three at uh, Featherweight. He went down to Light Feather. And won it, so I put him at number one at Light Feather because that, that weight was sort of up for grabs. And uh, this guy's really exciting. Look at him just shredding somebody's guard right here. He shows no respect to people's guard. He just goes out there really aggressive. This is somebody who's committed to who's number one. Stay tuned for who's, who his opponent's going to be. But is that video sped up? No, he's just <laughs> – this, this dude This dude just shows no he, – he's one of these guys. Mentally, he's on that level where he just goes out there and just he's not sitting there in somebody's guard waiting to see what they do. He Fights just, to win. No respect. Like Marigali style, just yeah, just shreds people. But, yeah, really excited to see him keep going. The Basilios. Ricardo, you're going to like this one. Bianca Basilio hit a, two more Bochinias. Yep. She she tapped She's all three. She's the queen of the Bochinia. She tapped, tapped all three. She did double gold. Her brother won featherweight as well. But Bianca did double gold down there, one, tapped all three opponents in the open class. We have like a minute highlight of her submissions if you want to run that Let's one. take Caleb. a look at this. Yeah, I, I, what I noticed about what I noticed about some of the clips from this event, uh, specifically, she didn't get all Bochinias in her matches. You see yeah. her finishing from the back. Right. Showed yeah. a little diversity. I think and she had I a triangle that, too. Yeah, exactly. And I think the more that people get kind of hip to her game, it's going to force her to diversify yeah. her submission portfolio. So we're going to see a lot more cool stuff from look at Bianca. The, there it is again. The look on Hope's face. She's like, oh, wow, that one hurt. But then the next one is like the, a brutal Bianca Basilio footlock coming up. Against tomorrow, right? Against tomorrow, Tom- Fajera. Yeah, Tom- tomorrow, tomorrow Silva, Yeah, 
My, this is yeah, uh, right here. Right here. Tomorrow's so, so, yeah, the, that tap I scream, that. grab Ooh. her leg. Oh, this is every tournament. Bianca like Mazzilio, shot. she's doing this every weekend. You've seen this yep. every weekend. Now, she just shows up at local tournaments, just rolls up, and just breaks people's legs down there. She's so really couple, on fire right now. Like two months ago, and she was on top of the world winning ADCC. Yeah. And then literally, like, I Went think. Went to, like, the, a Naga event down there, basically. Yeah, then, the, yeah, the following week, she was competing at a, you know, yeah, exactly, she did a BG, local She tournament. did BGJ Stars, fought Anna Schmidt, and then did a tournament the next day. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. What? Like a and local it, tournament know, that nobody has ever heard of, yeah. And take a look at this match here. Tamara Silva is no slouch. Tamara... I nickname Bianca the the you know the Basilia Bocinia and I kind of give her that title. But Tamara Silva's arm locks are awesome. She's, oh, she's tapping super tough. everyone. Oh, she's, just, oh, she's amazing. So she's too. you know Bianca, yeah. She, she I've seen her back to back weekends. Every every time you see her fight, you can expect an arm lock, just like Bianca with the Bocinia. And you know seeing Basilio tap her out is just so cool. What my point is is I love to see the submissions coming back strong in sport jiu-jitsu in the gi and it's girls like this that are, are, are really at the forefront so congratulations bianca and tamara keep doing your thing man the thing about the submissions you just said there ricardo is it's not about the gi right it's not whether it's gi or whether it's no gi it's like it's like you were saying about mayram alves right there when we we're talking about it's it's mindset and attitude it's like you know if, if these guys yeah, are going she out attacks. there she attacks yeah. yeah you go out there with the intention of attacking and taking what you want and finishing the match early then it's gonna happen it's yeah. it's, it's, it's it's not about whether it's the gi or the no gi that's not a factor i'll tell you what like when i when i put together the card for our event when i'm looking at who to invite up that's who i'm looking for that's we're looking for we're not looking for people who are going to show up and try and win a 50 50 battle win by an advantage we're looking for people like mayram who are going out there and going for the submission really attacking also down there lucas goberto number one at uh middle meet number middleweight number one one at medium heavy brown belt moving on to the new york fall open there was another ibjjf tournament this weekend we got an asset there if you want to roll that caleb a uh, highlight of some submissions uh, yeah, thanks to the uh, IBJJF YouTube channel uh, for letting us, uh, or IBJJF for letting us take these clips from the YouTube channel because uh, they, they put up a bunch of matches from last weekend. Um, yeah, so it's cool. called IBJJF New York Fall Highlight, if you want to roll that one. Uh, Paulo Meow, one light feather. I mean, one featherweight. He's ranked number two at light featherweight. I'm wondering, this has me wondering if he stays at feather because Cicero, yeah. right, now, Cicero right now has six out of the top ten guys at light featherweight. It's ridiculous. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to start closing out in the quarterfinals if they keep that going. I think Jonas will go back to Rooster, but then they still have five, including right. Paulo. Well, good so, thing is they're kind of spread out around the world right now, so they're yeah. not meeting up too in too many yeah. big tournaments, right? I, but, I'd like to see Paulo go up to Feather. I think it'd be it'd be intriguing. There'd be some cool matchups there for him. Uh, Mateus Gabriel. For me, Paulo has always belonged at Feather. Yeah. I, I don't really see why he needs to go down to Light Feather. I mean, let Joao and you got Pato there now. Pato's killing it. Right. Yeah. So the thing is, like, what happens when these guys? Because they're all going to turn up for the major tournaments, like Pans or you know Euros and stuff. There was right? Tubby tap Jessica Swanson right there. Tubby Alakin. who else had submissions this one? Tinoco, uh, Marcus Tinoco had a, a guillotine. Really nice guillotine. Uh, I think that actually that uh, should be the next clip. Yeah, this is this is Heisim Rida. Oh the, yeah, uh, the African grappler, the black belt, based in Tokyo at Carpe Diem. That back take was sick. I yeah, gotta, just rolling from, from an east side position. From just, the knee side position, forward rolling into forward a back roll. take. That yeah. was that was really Roberto uh, Jimenez esque. Roberto always hit right? stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful yeah, finish, but uh, yeah, some decent action from there. Tinoco was at medium, well, up at medium heavy as well. He's a uh, number four middleweight, but. Yeah, and then, uh, I, but I really want to move on to, we have a, a crazy weekend coming up. We All have right. a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, we do. Up first. Three fight, big events. Fight to win 132. Gary Tonin versus Davi Ramos. Uh, we have a, we have an asset to roll of Gary Tonin's, there we go. Just go ahead and play that thing. This is always money. 
Uh, Gary Tone, one of the most exciting guys in the game, maybe the most exciting in my opinion. Every every He's second, show man. every second he was on the mat at ADCC was was just off the chain. Uh, against ADCC champ Davi Ramos, Ricardo, what are you thinking about this one? Love this match. I love this match so much. I've been trying to, you know, plant seeds with promoters to make this match happen for years now. I know that Gary wants this because um, there's a lot of, you know, ramifications for this match. Specifically, 2015, Davi beat Lucas Lepre. Gary knows that Lucas at that time was one of the, you know, is, Lucas is pound for pound one of the greatest of all time. No, well, but, Lucas, you know, Lucas steamrolled Gary in that tournament. Exactly. So beating the guy that beat Lucas kind of, it's a really big accomplishment for Gary. He really wants that. And again, you're talking about exciting matches, both these guys, very similar styles. You can almost say that Davi is a Brazilian Gary Tonin or something like even if vice versa, because they have similar styles. They go for takedowns, they go for arm locks, they go for heel hooks, they go for toe holds. They are, you know, what you want to see in submission grappling. I cannot wait to see it. And my heart is torn my heart's with Davi here, but my gut is telling me Gary's going to win. So I can't wait to see it, guys. You know, Josh Hinger calls Davi Hamas Tasmanian devil because uh, it's just that, like that furious energy, you know, when he gets going, like almost nothing stops him. And we've seen that in some of his matches in the past that, you know, he, he can wrestle. He's got like really nasty, nasty submissions. I mean, Gary Tonin posted a clip on his Instagram of him. He was like studying some of uh, Davi's matches, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, it's like that moment when you see him break somebody's jaw with a rear naked choke. You really sort of start thinking, what am I getting myself into? It's like, Davi is a very destructive submission grappler. He's not one of those guys and, who eases stuff on. He gets it and he yeah. smashes it, it on. This one is perfect for submission only. It's guaranteed to be fireworks. I mean, Dav Davi's flying arm lock on Lucas is one of the coolest submissions I've ever seen ever. in my life. Ever. Yeah. yeah. And Gary, you know, Gary and, and doesn't I know how to have a boring match. No. And and what I like about these two, um, comparing them, one more comment, guys. Sorry, I'm trying not to steal all the time here. But both of those competitors, both Gary and Davi, will compete in open divisions of any rule set and no-gi tournaments. If you actually go back and you look up YouTube, there's a match where Davi Ramos was the first guy to arm lock Jeff Munson in a no-gi event. And I know Jeff Munson maybe you know, kind of sliding. No, that was this back when Jeff was, was still dangerous. Exactly. Arm lock Jeff Munson. Imagine that. And Gary Tonin, another guy. He'll throw himself in the absolute ADCC any year. So I, I love to see this. I can't wait to see this match. It's kind yeah. of some MMA implications to this Yeah, because well, Gary's right? fighting MMA too. Yeah, Gary's MMA. He's undefeated. Davi Ramos is fighting in the UFC. You'd have to think that if Gary goes out and if he definitively has like a very strong performance against Davi Ramos, then, you know, the MMA powers that be will look at that and they'll be like, ooh, okay, yeah. maybe we can do something with that. So Yeah, there's not many, like... This is a matchup that you know 100% is going to be exciting. There's no way either one of these guys is going to go out there and try and stall or try try not to go for a submission. I mean, these guys are both straight-up gangsters. Like Ricardo said, absolute divisions, any rules, MMA, whatever, they're getting after it. And, uh, yeah, Gary Tone is perfect for submission only. Really looking forward to this one. Davi's not ranked at uh, 77 right now, right? Because he hasn't, hasn't been hasn't yeah. been active. Yeah, We haven't seen him grappling, man. I think the last time we saw him was maybe, what, ACB a couple of years ago? Yeah. Uh, and he he got submitted by Edwin Najmi in yeah. a crazy match, but you know I think getting him back in this it could put him back on the on the map as well, right? Absolutely, Gary's number time. three, yeah. seventy-seven kilos. So. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, obviously uh, we'll get the spider a little bit later, but we spent the last couple of weeks really diving deep into that one. Uh, well, actually, before we move on from fight to another cool matchup, Michael Liera versus Jake Watson is very cool, very exciting grapplers. I like that match. Yeah. Jake's been on a roll lately. He's been competing a lot. He's been really active, right? Yeah, yeah. He's ranked number seven, I believe, in medium heavyweight. 
But Grapple Fest. Grapple Fest is another crazy event coming up. This is one one of our three events coming this weekend. It'll be what what time will Grapple Fest be going in the United States? So it'll be nine a.m. Eastern. Nine a.m. Eastern. Okay. Ten a.m. Uh, sorry, nine a.m. No, so Friday, no, wait, eleven a.m. Eastern. Eleven a.m. Eastern. Ten a.m. Central. Friday yep. night, Spider. Saturday morning, Grapple Fest. Saturday night, Fight to Win. Is yeah, it's basically twenty four yeah. hours straight of jujitsu on yeah. on Flow Grappling live. So, so I mean, you're welcome. You get another one of the most <laughs> exciting. Nogi grapplers in the world. Craig Jones there against Adam Wardzinski. Uh, we talked about this one a little bit. What do you think about the matchup, Hal? Man, I got to say, it's pretty intriguing to me. So I like the fact that Adam's putting himself out there in a different format. I don't think I've ever seen Adam do submission only, yeah. ever. You know, I can count on probably like two hands the amount of Nogi matches I've seen from him in his <laughs> career. So, you know, he came out of nowhere. Kind of unexpected that he even showed up to the European ADCC trials yeah, I was surprised by that. in Romania. He went and he won. And then he qualified, and, and he had two matches at ADCC. He he uh, won against Mike Perez and then lost to Josh Hinger. Um, so there's not a lot of tape out there of what Adam looks like, Nogi. But it's kind of interesting because when you see Adam play his no-gi game, it looks just like his gi game. It's all about the, the, the butterfly guard, the underhooks, yeah, translates, the overhooks. translates very easily, yeah. It's, it's, it's the perfect style to, to work in both, right? And um, Craig Jones, we, uh, we got some great interviews with him on the site where he talks about one of the things that he's that he noticed about Adam is that the way that he scoops up that reverse armbar from the from the butterfly guard really well, kind of like Marcelo Garcia style. The Brazilians call it the violinha, the straight arm lock. And, um, you know, I think it, it's a big question mark as to exactly what we can expect from Adam under the rule set, considering a th- it's either a 15 or a 20-minute match. I'm not sure. I need to check. But, man, Craig, this is his world. Yeah. He is a submission-only guy. That is his bread and butter. This is so, number two versus number five at 88. It would be a huge win for Adam if he could pull it off. But beating Craig in, in these rules, I mean, Craig's got such good leg locks. It's going to be tough for him. What well, do you th- not just the leg locks, though, yeah. right? I mean, he showed at ADCC yeah. three submissions in four matches, and he was hitting rear naked chokes. Yeah. He was hitting leg locks. He's he's pretty versatile. What are you thinking about this one, Ricardo? Yeah, I, I said it last week. I think that uh, Galvão kind of laid the groundwork on you know how to beat a guy, a good leg lock guy at the heavier weights. So if Wardzinski sticks to the butterfly guard, hides his feet underneath the legs of Craig Jones potentially with a sweep or back take he has a good chance of of you know getting to a good position or maybe even tapping Craig Jones anything could happen but you know Craig Jones is is Craig Jones I mean this guy you know he's pulled off some of the biggest upsets in the sport so yeah I, I love this match I love I, it how many times has Craig been on Grapple Fest now it's like three or four right I, I think uh I think Craig's got to uh Craig Craig's a big favorite there I mean Adam no disrespect to Adam but Craig's an easier pick than picking, he's a champion Picking the Gary, who do you who are you picking in the Gary Davi match? If you got, if you got to pick somebody, uh, I would probably pick Gary under those uh, rules because yeah. fight to win rules are basically <laughs> submission attacks or everything, and I can just see Gary going out there and spamming like you know yeah, submission attacks. Fight like, to win, fight to win rules. I'm picking Gary for sure. But you know, in uh, it's a different criteria that they use uh, at Grapple Fest, and you know, the, I think that they're less clear as to what they prioritize. The, the judges kind of they 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 analyze the match more holistically. You know, they look at everything that kind of takes place. But um, I, I I think with Adam versus versus Craig, I mean you gotta give the heavy advantage to Craig, right? I mean like that that it's his it's his world. Um, he beat Mateus Denise on Grapple Fest. He beat Gabriel Arges on Grapple Grapple Fest. These are these are both like high level guys. So I think under this rules, I think that Craig's definitely got the edge. 
All right, we got. I think that uh, it's going to come down. Sorry, one sec. I think it's going to come down to who sits and pulls guard first, who insists on their game, and if Greg can do it first before Adam, get that elevation, snag a leg. It'll be a it'll be a short night for Adam Warzynski. Can they both sit? If Adam sits first, can Craig just sit with him and double pull and play that leg lock game? Yeah, so I, 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 I can yeah. I can see him trying to do that. Yeah, it's sub only. They just let them go under this. But there are a bunch of other really good matches on the Grapple Fest as well, right? You got some uh, some other yeah. kind of um, ranking implications as well here, Mike. Hey, if anybody has any questions about any any of these events, want to say anything, shout out at a, shout at us in the Facebook or YouTube comments of the live stream right now. We'll answer them. Uh, yeah, well, Marcio Andre versus Dante is a crazy one. Dante should be way bigger than him, but Marcio Andre's an Ogi world champ. Can't this be underestimated. 85-kilogram match. What's, yeah. what's Marcio doing competing that heavy? He told me he weighs 76 right now, so that's about 20 pounds light. But uh, Wait a minute, I mean, wait a minute. Marcio, Marcio just had a baby, right? When you have a kid, he, 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 he himself didn't have a baby. Happens. It's not. It's yeah. not like. He's, it's not like he's carrying baby weight right now, you know. Yeah, but Marshall, well, you know what I mean. It doesn't Marshall, matter, my man. Marshall told me he weighs seventy six, which is still heavy for him because he would he would usually compete at uh, featherweight, right? But, uh, yeah. Like this, you, is, this is. Sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. No, I was just gonna say, like this one, it's all Dante here. I think uh, Dante's been competing more consistently, in my opinion, and I'm not just saying this because he's Canadian, but I think at this, you know, rule set and Nogi, he's been way more active. Um, he had that huge win over Lucas Lepre, and I could see him just taking it to Marcio Andre from start to finish. So, uh, gonna be a really good, good match. Hey, don't forget the Marcio Andre is a Nogi World Champion. So, you yeah. know, it's not like he doesn't have experience of competing in this rule set. He fought through to the second place at the um, uh, the ACB uh, Nogi Grand Prix a yeah, couple of years yeah. back as well. So, you know, he can hang in well, Nogi. He was, I mean, he was confident about it. He told me he yeah. thinks he can pass Dante's guard if he gets on top. But, I mean, Dante's, uh, Dante's game is so solid right now. His guillotines, his back takes off his scrambles, his wrestling. His wrestling is going to yeah. be key, I, hear, yeah. I think, here, yeah, yeah. But uh, also on that event, we got a couple of Tolo fights, which is interesting. Some... Uh, against Thomas Halpin. Which one's fighting Thomas Halpin? So Ty Rotolo is going to be going up against Tom Halpin, and then Cade Rotolo is going to be going up against Jeremy Skinner. Now, I think this is kind of interesting because uh, Halpin fight sports black belt under Cyborg uh, out of Ireland. He qualified. He was at ADCC. uh, Didn't make it out the first round. um, But... Uh, himself, Halpin, and then, of course, Jeremy Skinner, who's an, uh, out of absolute MMA in Australia with Lachlan Giles. Um, both of these guys are really, really good leg lockers. And, you know, the Ruotolos, the, obviously, you know, these guys, they're still blue belts, but they're basically, in the case of, like, Michael Galvao, they are at the level of black belts. They've been out competing since they were kids, tiny little kids. So they've been competing regularly for like 10, 12 years. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're at a stage now where they are taking on like black belts, experts, like world-class guys. So. Excited to see Cade get some of this uh, Nogi uh, submission only or type of matches because everybody's talking about Ty right now after ADCC, but it's always right. been the two of them. It's always been the rule of Tolos, but only one of them was able to do ADCC. Yeah. So Ty's getting all the shine now, but I mean, Cade's just as good. They, oh, got, yeah. they got two of them just as good. So it's going to be Kate against Jeremy Skinner, Ty versus Halpin. Yeah, this is interesting. I'm, uh, I'm interested to see how these guys progress. I mean, I'm sure they're growing pretty fast. What do you think, Ricardo? You've known these kids a long time, right? You you, you know what they're like. Uh, their progression over the last couple of years seems to have accelerated more than anything, right? Yeah, I think it's just coming with them, you know, kind of 
they're not even, I don't even know if they're hitting their puberty yet. Like they're just kind of growing as, as young men. And I think as they continue to grow, their muscular development starts to grow, their athleticism starts to grow, but they've always been students of the game. They've always been studying the game. And whether it's heel hooks or toe holds or barambolos, I think that they're going to study what they need to do to win the matches against a guy like Tom Halperin, who from my, from my recollection, he's a really good leg lock guy, right? right? I think he went to fight sports and shared a lot of that leg lock knowledge. So it's going to be interesting to see what Rotolo does against Halpin. I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to Rotolo on this one. I mean, I think he's just proven that he can hang with the best and he's technically proficient under any rule set. So I can't wait to see it guys. I'm sorry, guys. I got to head out. I got to cut out, go teach a Nogi class in uh, coincidentally. And I'll be thinking of uh, the Tom helping match and the Rotolo stuff as I'm teaching guys. So I'll what, see you what, you, what so are you much. teaching today, Ricardo? Uh, flying bear and bolos. Okay, perfect. Beautiful. Um, it. Ali actually just said in my spider interview he wants to win the world with only bear and bolos one day. Uh, but Ricardo, see you next week. I'll be I'll be streaming it too. I'll be in Brazil next week. Take it easy. All right. Well, yeah. bolo. <laughs> so uh, Ricardo's actually got a really good bear and bolo. I I felt it firsthand. Another thing coming up. Uh, me and Ricardo and Chase have really talked about this a lot. We could hear your opinion on it a little bit. Is uh, spider. We oh, got, uh, but this, this is crazy. Can we can we see the the seventy six bracket on the screen real quick? There so, it is. Yeah, some crazy matchups. I mean, I I I'm saying it right now. I think who who wins between Gabriel Argus and Levi wins this this. That's the final in my opinion. Uh, so it, it for me it's it's really intriguing because you've got a really balanced bracket right there. You've got let well, me not see. not really. Got, Look at the bottom right hand corner. <laughs> well, there's that. But <laughs> yeah. You've got uh, let me see. Brown belt world champ Jonathan Alves. You got black belt world champ Jamil Hill. Uh, you got black belt world champ Mateus Gabriel. Two time black belt world champ. Edwin Gabriel was a black Arges. belt silver medalist. Levi Jones, European and Pan champ this year. Yeah, and then man, like, this is. This is a loaded bracket. Yeah, okay, the bottom corner with Mateus Lutz, brown belt, up against Insun Chang, a Korean black yeah. belt. Um, but that's a little bit more of a, a kind of a pick em, I think. But, I mean, it is a loaded bracket. And I think you're kind of right. You have to pick. I, Gabriel, Gabriel and Levi are definitely among the front runners. But I would say you cannot count out Jonathan Alves because, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. His Baron Bolo is so good. And last year, he beat Jamil and Paulo Miao while close he was one. still very, a brown very belt. Very close one with Jamil. But he was still a brown belt at yeah, the time. So now he's a black belt and he's had a little bit more experience. And, you know. I think at the same time, though, people are going to be gunning for him a little bit more. I think maybe, oh, yeah. yeah, Jamil is probably a game plan for this a lot more knowing he lost to him before and he's a black belt now. And well, the thing about Jamil for me as well is that he is one of the most cerebral competitors out there. He is so intelligent. Like, the one thing that everybody says at Team Lloyd Irvin is if you've ever got any kind of technical or strategic question, is like, Ask Jamil because he is the guy that he's just. Well, I mean, Muhammad Ali nicknamed him like the 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 magician, right? Yeah, he was, sort of, he was one of these so dialed in on that. One of these guys that went blue, purple, brown, world champ, and then ended up winning at black too. Uh, and then you got two really dangerous submission guys like Edwin Najmi and Mateus Gabriel, who are both really opportunist, opportunistic finishers. Uh, Gabriel Arges and Levi Jones, like obviously Gabriel's going to be the biggest guy in this entire division. Yeah, he's, he's, cut, he's cut cutting some weight, weight for sure. But then Levi is also a, a huge lightweight. Gabriel's made this weight before, basically. I mean, this is mm -hmm. 76. He's made 77 for uh, UAE, UAE events before. But yeah, Levi's big, and I mean, Levi's back takes are so good. Uh, so you're picking the winner of Gabriel versus Levi? Yeah, I, I would go with Gab uh, Gabriel, but wouldn't be surprised if Levi picked. I, I, I mean, I'll go with the easy pick. Gabriel Arges is my champ there, but... Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Because you're like, 
Well, but well, it could be. Yeah. This uh, one's interesting because it's like a small guy absolute, basically. Like you, you got like Mateus Gabriel versus Edwin, who normally would never see each other in a tournament. True, you got. They're not that far apart, right? I mean, like the smallest guy in this division, you've got uh, Jamil and Mateus who both compete featherweight, and the biggest guy, uh, Gabriel Ages, competes middle. Yeah. Has competed middle heavy in the past. Well, but- look at ADCC. You had two of these guys did sixty six at ADCC. Gabriel Arges did eighty eight. True. Twenty two kilos is a lot of weight. I mean, I'm sure he didn't <laughs> cut weight to make eighty eight, but he's still he should be a lot bigger than these he guys. He cut a bit. Gabriel's been telling me that he's been getting up there in weight. He's not the only one. Edwin's getting pretty chunky lately as well. So But then uh so who's your champ? Who you who, who you taking here? Oh man, you're really putting me on the spot here. Um I don't think you can call him a dark horse, but I am very excited, and I will be paying close attention to what Jonathan Alves does yeah, in yeah. this bracket. I'm not saying that he's not going to be. Uh, I'm not saying that he's he's going to he's going to walk through guys like Jamil Hill or guys like Mateus Gabriel or Edwin to get into the final. But I'm kind of feeling it. I'm feeling that he's going to go into the final, and if he does get there, he's going to have to fight his heart out. Um, and I'm I think I agree with you. He's going to see either Gabriel Arges or Levi in that final. Um, and really, it's it's a toss-up, man. I don't know who's going to take it, but I think I see Jonathan coming out of that side of the bracket. I think major pound-for-pound pound implications here because something that people seem to obsess about is they think pound-for-pound pound means you're the absolute champ. But no, right. a, little, a little guy, Bruno, Bruno Malfacini could be the pound-for-pound pound number one. That's yeah. not what pound-for-pound pound, pound, winning the absolute does not make you the pound-for-pound pound number one. True. Major implications here. If a guy like Mateus Gabriel, who won Pans and Worlds at Black Belt, goes out and, say, beats Edwin, beats Jamil or Jonathan, beats Gabriel Argus. I mean, he's probably going to be top five. He's going to really skyrocket up there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. John, this could have major imp- ranking imp- implications for Jonathan Alves you if know, he goes out there. Let me ask you something, because we talked uh. about this, about how the heavyweight bracket at, uh, at Spider, the over 100 kilogram, sorry, yeah. un- under 100 kilogram bracket, you're saying basically whoever emerges from that, based on the lineup, you know, Kynan, Leandro, Marigali, Hadolfo, Spriggs, Calasans, et cetera, et cetera, you're saying that, Whoever comes out of that is most likely going to become the pound for pound number one guy in the world. No, I don't think not. Not all of them. Can we see the hundred uh, bracket? Yeah, let's take a look. I, at I that. think uh, if a few of them win, I think Buchecha just slides back into number one. Really, uh, Marigali, obviously, he's already got it. Uh, Kynan has a great argument to already have it if it wasn't for a couple losses. If Kynan wins it for sure, Hadolfo is a big question mark. If Leandro wins, but, if Leandro beats Kynan, Hadolfo, and Marigali. But my question being, like, based on that bracket, yeah. the, the, the 100 kilogram bracket has huge implications for the pound for pound. Oh, rankings. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But you're, you're saying that the, the 76 kilo bracket also has big implications for pound for pound. You see, oh, yeah. it, Look, you see Mikey, the Mikey Musumeci's top five. I so mean, you see yeah. the winner of the under 76 going in top five pound for pound? Most likely. Yeah, I yeah. think so, depending on how it goes. And you never know. I mean, Method of victory plays in a lot. Like, True. if you go out there and you tap I me, mean, if Jonathan Alves goes out there and taps Gabriel Argus, like, so stuff like that can really jump you up. Right. And and uh, at the heavyweight one, I mean, look, okay, let's say Lowe, Lowe's been sliding lately, right? Let's say Lowe ha- looks dominant against Kainan, Hadolfo, and Marigali, against all three of those. I mean, that would, yeah, for me, if he was to take on and definitively beat each three of those guys, you'd have to say yeah. that's the number one guy in the world right now. Yeah. Like, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I mean, uh, 
And you know, hey, let's 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 say it for what it is as well. Like you know, we've been pretty critical of Leandro the last two years. You know, he hasn't had the same consistency with the results that he's had. Uh, you know, that he's enjoyed previously. Yeah. You know, the five six years running up to that. But let's not forget that he did fight through into the semi-final of the world champion. Sorry, the absolute division at the world championships. Absolutely, he did fight yeah. through into the final of the world championships. Was, yeah, a down year for for Lowe is you know a career year for most people. Absolutely, but, yeah. Uh, Double just... silver, sorry, silver, and then gold, and closing out the final. It's like. That, that that that's a huge achievement for anybody else. For Leandro, that's a disappointment. The big the thing that's just going to destroy the ranking system entirely is if Anderson Muniz somehow wins this bracket. <laughs> brown belt, uh, he's definitely be brown, brown belt pound for pound number one past his brother. Fair. But uh, <laughs> the uh, okay, you got Calisans and Herberth. I mean, I think okay, if Marigali loses and nobody else is dominant here, there's there's a strong argument for Buchecha just taking it back over. But I mean, Kynan. If Kainan of wins it, he's number one. If Marigali wins it, he retains number one. Hadolfo, you never Hadolfo and Lowe have to see how it goes, but if Marigali loses, I think there's a very strong argument for Bucchetti just sliding back into his old spot. Interesting. But Interesting. Uh, but how do you see the bracket the bracket playing out? Like who do you who do you see coming out of this? I think the left side's uh, pretty easy to call. I'd say uh Marigali beats Spriggs. I think it's a really bad matchup for Spriggs. Very. Uh Erberth beats Kyle Sands, but you never know with Erberth. I mean he could just tap to, to nothing and quit. Uh, I think Marigali kills her birth. I think Calisanz has got to come out super hard and aggressive yeah. and make it a, a, a nasty match with Herbert because Herbert doesn't like it when people bully him yeah. you know because he's a bully guy he is a bully fighter he gets out and he wants to make things you know rough yeah. and we've seen him crumble when people have done that you know to him the problem is that Calisanz is going to be staring down a big size disadvantage with uh, with Marigali and Spriggs, I mean, we saw Marigali tie up, tangle, and pretty much toy with Muhammad Ali at the uh, the World Championships final this year. Everybody this year, Marigali's tapped everybody around that way this year. He's yeah. he's you know a buzzsaw, right? Yeah. And I I like Spriggs a lot. He's a great competitor. He won the last Spider tournament, beating some very tough guys. Had some Mateus Calasans included. Mateus Denise. Spriggs is looking good. Spriggs, Spriggs is, is looking better than Spriggs ever, probably. Is, Spriggs is hot and cold. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. He has his good moments. Nicholas is a bad he, matchup for him, though. I, I just think... You know, a long-legged, dangerous, aggressive guard player like Marigali is... Yes, you're right. It's a bad match. Spriggs against Urbeth first round. Now, I'd say that's a good match for Spriggs. Spriggs, Spriggs versus Calisans. Calisans. Yeah, Great yeah. match for Spriggs. Even Kynan would be a better match for Spriggs. Yeah, but yeah. Marigali is the worst possible match that he can have first round. On the other side... Yeah, well, they sort of loaded this one up. The other side, the right side's a way tougher route, in my opinion. Look at look look how <laughs> Kynan or Leandro has to do what they have to do to make the final. Uh, yeah, Kynan versus Leandro first round is is just that that is going to answer a lot of questions because you know Kynan beating Leandro in the final of World Championships this year that was huge, man. That passed, was huge. passed his guard. That was shocking when he passed his guard. You don't really, I mean, besides Bernardo, I think Bucetta has not many people can pass Leandro's guard. Very few people. Yeah. Yeah, very few. And so, you know, Leandro's going to be coming out. There's a lot of the line for He's got a lot to prove. He really needs to go out and have a great performance, not just for his career, but for himself, man, yeah. right? For his own, for his for his confidence levels. That he's going to need I'm hoping we see the old Leandro back. I mean, Leandro, when, when a couple years ago, when he was firing, like medium-heavy Leandro was one of my favorite competitors ever. He was so exciting to watch. 
And uh, it seems like he's had some cardio issues lately. I mean, he's been playing a lot of closed guard. He hasn't been playing the same game he used to play. No, technically, he's a different guy, right? Yeah, he's yeah. not doing the same things that we he was so famous for. Yeah, if uh, open guard, sweep, stand up, spam, port, Toriano passes and, until basically he just would work himself until he looked like he was going to die and pass the guard. Well, I mean, he's a very uh, experienced competitor, and, and he knows how to win. But yeah. the thing I think about Kynan is kind of fights smart as Kynan well. Kynan is so, right? such a smart fighter, man. He's And it, I just can't... I will not underestimate Kynan anymore. He's just gone out and beat everybody this year. Even beat Puchecha at ADCC. Like, beat beat low at, at Worlds, beat Puchecha at ADCC. He's so good. I the think, complete wild card in this bracket, to be honest, is not Anson Moniz. The wild card for me is Adolfo. Oh, absolutely. Nobody... That's what... You know, I'm talking with people about this all the time, and everyone's just like, man... What's it awful going to look like? We know last year he beat Muhammad Ali. Yep. A few months after Muhammad Ali won Worlds. Yep. So we know he still got it. And that was his that was his first key match in like four years. Yeah. And he came out and he beat the current world champion. So this is only his second key tournament in like like say since 2014, right? Yeah. Um, for me, having spoken to a bunch of people, let's say with knowledge of Adolfo, because he's been training at fight sports, fight sports in Florida, and he's been in the gi. And training with a few people who know him and what he's like and, you know, been on the mat with him and stuff. Even though Adolfo hasn't been active in the gi that much, he still trains in it. And they say, you will not believe what this guy is capable of. Yeah, he's a monster. That's what Victor Doria commented last week on our on our thing. Like, nobody has experienced that pressure in this break. Besides Leandro, I was talking with Bernardo when I was at right. BJ Finex. Bernardo Faria told me, uh, well, first off, he said, I think he said Adolfo was the only person who he's ever lost to and never went back to, to avenge it, never never wow. beat him. But he was talking about the pressure. He talked about the pressure for a while. And he was just Everybody saying, mentions the pressure. He was just Lovato saying, said the same he thing. He was saying Adolfo's pressure like feels like it's going to break your jaw, break your neck. Like You want to you tap just to the pressure. Like he's just, And that's Bernardo Faria talking. That's, yeah. a, that's a big dude. He, he knows about pressure. Yeah. Lovato said the same thing. Lovato is also uh, a, a connoisseur of the pressure game, right? And, and he said that the two worst pressure that he's ever felt – are Roger Gracie and Hadolfo. Like, just hands down. The pressure from Hadolfo is is just insane. So, um, I, I already said last week I was going with um, Nicholas beating Kynan in the final. Okay. Kynan beating Anderson. I mean, Kynan beating Hadolfo in the uh, semi. How about you? Who, who, who are you picking here? <sighs> I am seeing Marigali in the final. And Hart says Kynan head says Hadolfo. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised with Adolfo. I was just going. Okay, let's let's say I think, I think it's stupid to bet against Adolfo based yeah. on everything that we know, yeah, the gonna, track record, and I, everything that we've heard. What about Kainan? How are you going to bet against Kainan? He won worlds. He won pans. But that's what I'm saying. It's what like you, it's 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 for me the semifinal is Kainan versus Adolfo. But that's such, that, a, that's that such match a crazy is, matchup. It is. It's it's like I've said this before. It's literally like a fantasy jiu-jitsu match yeah, it's yeah. taking the guy from one generation against a guy from another multiple time was he four I think Rodolfo was a four time world champion against the, the brand new young black belt Kynan is like Rodolfo was when Rodolfo burst onto the young, scene yeah, the black belt younger, hunter, younger right? whoever yeah. makes the final okay let's say Nicholas makes the, the, the final out of that I'm pretty safe saying Nicholas makes the final on the left side Whoever comes out of the right side is going to be pretty interesting. If Anderson, okay, okay if Anderson right. somehow does it, that's crazy. Nah. If if Lo, if Low if Low gets there, you got Nicholas versus Low number six. I'll be honest. I see Nicholas beating anybody on the other side of the bracket, except Dolpho. Well, okay, yeah. If Low gets there, it's Nicholas versus Low number six. Low's Low's up three to two in that series. If Kinda gets there, it's the rubber match. They're one and one against each other. Nicholas tapped him at Brasileiro. If Adolfo gets there, Nicholas versus Adolfo is just going to be nuclear. Exactly. We're going to see full-on yeah. crazy face, werewolf Marigali. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of energy in that building. And 
man, I mean, Nicholas is so good, but would you? I, I wouldn't be shocked if Adolfo passed his guard. No, me either. And that that's the crazy thing. I, I think if anybody in the bracket has the, the hands-down, like, potential to beat Marigali, it's Adolfo. Anybody else is like, well, they've won and lost against him, but I think the the chances of going up against Marigali and definitively winning yeah. are so much Nicholas lower. has had the upper hand lately against Lowe and Kynan. Absolutely, He, he yeah. beat Kynan pretty dominantly last time. Uh, well, Hidal, I mean, Nicholas's guard is, has been passed by uh, Ali, by uh, Honorio. By Leandro. Uh, yeah, by Leandro. Joao Gabriel. Uh, yeah. This is the thing. I mean, normally Nicholas thrives on sweeping big guys, getting on top, and just shredding their guards. Just no respect. Just doing basic stuff and getting past their guards. Hidalfo's got a very underrated guard. Everyone talks about right. his passing. Hidalfo's guard is very good. It's true. Yeah. It I is mean, really true. Yeah. I mean, if if he gets swept, it's very easy for Hidalfo to just come up for a single leg or something and, uh, you know, feed your sleeve through and come up for a single leg just knock you over and i oh mean his passing is pressure but man that's that's gonna be that's a real main event if we get nicholas versus <laughs> Adolfo, that's that's like hulk hogan andre the giant wrestlemania that, that's something <laughs> just out of this world but uh that's gonna be crazy tune in friday night for that one it'll be saturday actually in korea but friday night here also coming up uh so we have three big events this weekend friday night spider saturday morning grapple fest Saturday night, Gary Tone and Davi Ramos have fight to win. Uh, coming up later uh, next month, we got Third Coast, Bo Nickel versus Gordon, another crazy one. we got Nogi Worlds after that, which we haven't even got to discuss yet. Nogi no. Worlds is coming. we got so much crazy stuff coming. I mean, we gotta, we got we to gotta get uh, we gotta get these out of the way with before I can even think about Nogi Worlds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Team rankings, go check out the team rankings. Don't get too mad at me, please. Thank you very much. See you next week. I'll be coming in from uh I'll be streaming in from Brazil, Ricardo from Canada, I think probably Hal and uh, Chase at the desk. Thank you for watching. Take it easy.